In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. All right. We have some very special guests with us in the studio this week. That's our joke is everybody's a special guest. It's not a joke, but... It's not a joke. It's become a running gag. <laughs> well, we have different kinds now because these are very special. Yes. Usually they're just special. Yeah. If there's more than two, it becomes very special yeah. to make so sure there's enough very... special to go around. <laughs> so we'd like to have uh, our guests introduce ourselves. That way people get to hear your voice and know who you are. So we'll just start this in and go that way. Sure. I'm Cher Golding. I'm the executive director of the Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund. I'm uh, Andy Moore. I serve a few roles. I'm the clinic administrator for the Infectious Diseases Clinic at the OU Health Sciences Center. I'm also kind of the organizer of the Oklahoma City AIDS Coalition. I'm Dennis Creeden. I'm the client advocate at the OU Infectious Diseases Institute, and I'm also the outgoing co-chair of the Oklahoma HIV and Hepatitis Planning Council. And I'm the president of a support group called Two Spirits Plus. Well, this is quite the rock star panel we have here. You can probably guess why we're here. Yeah. Just very, very special. I'm going to amend this. Very, very special. <laughs> very, very special. Yeah, so then uh, why are you guys here? Uh, so the, the main reason and I literally have this written on paper, main reason and then secondary reason. But the main reason is that Thursday, December 1st is World AIDS Day. And for the first time in a very long time, um, at, at least as long as I've kind of been aware, mm-hmm. um, Oklahoma City, we've got a good group of people that are really trying to pull together and raise awareness about HIV in a way that we haven't done before. So I've been in my, uh, in my role at the university for uh, a little over seven years And every year on December 1st, somebody says, hey, what are we doing for World AIDS Day? And we all kind of shrug and look at each other because it's right after Thanksgiving. It's before Christmas and we're all busy. I don't know. Um, I'm going shopping. Right. And we think, man, next year we should really do something. Um, There's always something that happens in town. But uh, I think this year between several agencies, uh, the AIDS Care Fund is playing a big role in it. Um, We're really trying to push it back into the public awareness. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of awareness around the holiday on a national level. Um, you have the the red campaign and you see Bono and a lot of the celebrities mm-hmm. doing things. But it really um, that money doesn't stay here. And uh, that goes to Africa. And it's great for research and, and does a lot of good. But it just doesn't stay here in Oklahoma. So it's nice to be able to put um, awareness in Oklahoma City and in the state of Oklahoma and know that um, the work that we do, the dollars that we raise and the people that we help are all Oklahomans and it stays here in Oklahoma. So this is kind of a twofold thing. It is World AIDS Day bringing world awareness, but then you guys are kind of bringing in a a local touch to it, getting local awareness and local funds, right? Right. Yeah, World AIDS Day started in 1991. A group of artists in New York City kind of got together and said, hey, you know, this is, that was still really in the, Mm -hmm. like in the peak of uh, the HIV epidemic because it was growing in America. And they kind of came together and said, we need to, how can we 
kind of bond together or make this into an awareness thing. And yeah. they were uh, inspired by the Yellow Ribbon campaign that became real popular during the Gulf War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they thought about a few different colors, you know, obviously some like rainbow ideas, but they didn't want it to be just isolated to the gay community because HIV is, right. is broader than that. And they settled on red being something that's notable. And they liked that literally anybody could make a red ribbon. You can just go to the store and get ribbon and cut it and then twist it. And there you go. And so in that way that it can't affect anybody, anyone can represent or raise awareness about it. Uh, and so they started doing that and some, uh, some pretty public figures, um, some celebrities uh, wore a red ribbon in a few different events that year. And, and so it became a thing and it grew. Now I think we're at the stage in the epidemic where it's, it's very different in America than it is in sub-Saharan Africa. Most oh, sure, yeah. there's roughly 35 million people in the world that have HIV and about two thirds of them are in Africa. So that's, wow, really? that's a huge, uh, very different burden over there than it is here. And I think sometimes our struggle is trying to demonstrate that it's still very much a problem here at home. And while I have no problem people giving money and supporting um, PEPFAR and other uh, projects that help people in other countries. Mm-hmm. I, I also want people to remember that I mean, here, right at home in Oklahoma and Oklahoma City, we have a lot of folks that are living every day with this disease, a lot of folks that are living with it and don't know it. Um, and uh, so trying to raise awareness to, to encourage people to get tested, um, to talk about it, uh, and um, to try to really to decrease that stigma about this disease. Sure. Because uh, I think that might be the biggest thing between us and the end. Well, we had a, <clears throat> a similar topic recently uh, in regard to Cookies Thanksgiving. With Mary we're kind of broaching that topic. Like, is, uh, is there is still a stigma attached to it, right? Is it is it lessening because of education or is it, only lessening in places like the United States, and there's still a large stigma around the world. I, I think it's certainly everywhere. Um, it's it is very different. Like we have um, patients or people I've met that have lived in Africa and came here, and however extreme it is here, it's nuts over there. I mean, there are countries where they will put your photo on the news on television once they identify you as positive. Oh, wow, really? As a way to like- That's brutal. To isolate you and you have to move out. It's like modern day leper colonies. I'll say, yeah, leper colony. Um, which is weird in countries where like one eighth of the population is infected. And so it's like really extreme um, kind of stigma there. Um, here in the US and most places, fortunately it's not that extreme, but it does, I think, come across in um, kind of more subtle slow burn kind of ways. Dennis, can you speak to that? That a lot of communities here are still uh, less educated about HIV than they need to be. And uh, they still, they still uh, stigmatize uh, family members and Mm -hmm. people in their community. And even if they don't do it a lot, they do it enough so that it creates kind of a sense of terror in some of these communities. It doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. So that, uh, like with my support group, I have a hard time getting certain people from certain demographics to come because mm-hmm. in their communities, everybody knows everything about everybody. So no. they they want to just keep it one-on-one with me instead of coming to my group. Sure. 
because they don't know who knows who and who will tell someone who knows them. So right, or you'll never you'll you'll not know how somebody might react. That's true. And yeah. so I mean, there's your own fear right there. You know? Yes, well, the fear of rejection is mm-hmm. very prevalent. And a lot of folks have faced that rejection from even their family and people that are close to them. And so that, I mean, if you've had that at home, uh, people that are you thought cared about you no matter what, it's really hard to tell strangers about it um, or to be open about it at all. It's almost like a euphemistic leper colony where you get ostracized from yeah. your family, you know? Yeah. So we, um, so our program at the university, we have a, a medical clinic we have social workers that are like case managers. We have licensed mental health counselors. We have a dietitian, and then uh, we've got connections with other departments on campus for psychiatry and dentistry and oh, wow. really any other specialty you need. Uh, and a few years ago, we had a case manager that would go up to Woodward, up in the northwest part of the state, and she went up there. Started out every other week for about two years. And we knew we had about 35 clients that kind of lived in that area. And we reached out to them saying, hey, this way you can see someone here. You don't have to drive all the way. It's a long drive from Woodward, Oklahoma City, yeah. um, just to get your labs done or something or come see the doctor or see your case manager in this case. And after two years, she only had four clients that ever came to see her up there. And that was because everyone else said, you know what, I'd rather just drive to the city where I know no one's going to see me. And I mean, she was um, at the county health department. It wasn't, uh, it was a, what we thought we had hoped would be a kind of benign location where they wouldn't, no one outside the parking lot would know why you were going in the door necessarily. Um, but people were still worried. Uh, and we heard stories about, you know, uh, older folks in town sitting at the diner across the street mm-hmm. because they knew that Wednesdays were STD clinic days and they would watch and see when <clears throat> teenagers wow. went in and then call their parents and, Small town Jeez. kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's terrifying in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we knew we had an uphill battle, but um, uh, after that big of a stretch, where we really found out, okay, people really are worried about this, and so I think, I think we've kind of realized that we're at a point in the epidemic in Oklahoma where all the low hanging fruit has been picked, mm-hmm. and now we're having to look for like the, the other more complicated or challenging ways to kind of get the word out. And so that's probably one of the reasons we're doing this this year is to really use the power of social media and try to spread it um, and get awareness maybe across a group that isn't necessarily most at risk for it, but every person that thinks about it and maybe tells somebody else about it can make it be less stigmatizing in right. their world. And that's an important step. What, so is there an event that you guys are hosting on, on the first? Um, through the Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund, we actually are hosting an art show um, that day okay. on um, Thursday, December 1st uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. at 1219 Creative Art Gallery, which is at uh, Northwest 12th and Classen Boulevard and uh, right across the street from Catholic Charities. So um, that's from 4 to 6 p.m. We... Um, as Andy mentioned, when um, the the cause, the awareness for the cause first came about, it was a group of artists that came together. So this is another way for us to kind of tie it back to mm-hmm. the original um, kind of awareness efforts around around the disease. And so we um, have about 15 artists that are participating, and they either 
have um, their artwork is in the theme of the color red or related to um, the, the cause and the disease itself. Um, a couple of our artists have lost uh, family members and loved ones, right. so their artwork really speaks to that. Um, and then some are just um, based on the, the color red and mm-hmm. um, hopefulness. And that's really what we're trying to do, um, to really create a dialogue around um the, the conversation around the awareness of HIV awareness and um, to really spark that conversation and, and have that art kind of move you and have a better understanding of, of what's going on. And then um, the artists are going to um, have the opportunity to donate any of the art that sells um, back to the Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund. Uh-huh. That furthers our mission yeah. um, of fundraising and advocacy for this disease. Who are some of the artists that will be there? So we have, um, we have uh, Skip Hill, um, we have uh, Graham Edwards, uh, Rick Miller, um, we've got Suzanne Thomas, uh, Ronna Purnell, Kyle Golding. Um, so we've got about 15 different artists that are participating. Awesome. Um, and like I said, a few have actually lost a loved one to this disease. And so their artwork really comes from um, a place of, of um, loss and then also hopefulness. Right. There's... Um that day, we've tried to line up several things. The AIDS Care Fund is doing the art show. Um, Urban Tea House, just down the yeah. street here, is uh, we've talked to Christy, and um, she is going to have a special like red tea, um, and they're gonna it's gonna launch on Thursday, on December first, and a portion of the proceeds will go back to the AIDS Care Fund. Uh, and Christy's awesome. going to do it all year. So it's going to be a year-long thing. Nice. And she's going to I think she's going to change it so it's seasonally appropriate because you want a hot tea mm-hmm. this time of year and you want something maybe iced in the summer. Uh, and so it'll be a permanent menu item. Um, she's sort her, of her version of a product red tea. Uh-huh. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because you can't use that without paying somebody right. else money. <laughs> um, and uh, I think for Christy, this is a way to give back to the community where she wants to do something like every year uh, or on a, on a recurring basis. And um, we were, I was in there one day talking to her and I said, do you ever do anything like this? She said, no, but I want to start. I said, well, let me put you in touch with somebody. Um, so I'm excited to find out what it is and mm-hmm. taste it. I'm trying to work my way through her menu right now. And I'm about a tenth of the way in. So. <laughs> yeah, stuff's so good. I got I get stuck on one thing and yeah. then I just stay there for yeah. months. And in case people don't know where this is, it's Urban Tea House over in the Rise, kind of by the Drake. Right. 23rd and Walker mm-hmm. down the art hall. Yeah. yeah. Between, if you go in between Pizzeria Gusto and, and the Drake or whatever that yep. is right there. I think you can get into the North side or the South side. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's right. yes. Um, and then, uh, so that's gonna be going on all day at urban tea house. Uh, and she will have red ribbons there as well. And little cards with, um, some information about it. And, uh, people can stop by and get, a little red ribbon. We really encourage everybody to take a photo of themselves and post it on social media. Yeah. Um, you know, tag it with hashtag World AIDS Day OKC um, to kind of you know join the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we're going to be going out. Um, some people from downtown OKC are going to help out, and we're going to try to really blanket Oklahoma City and hit as many businesses and people we know as we can that have said, um, "Hey, like, let's. I want to be a part of this," and so I'll. I will bring you ribbons if you need them um, and to really try to get this message spread as wide as we can. After the art show, uh, the the one consistent thing we have every year in the HIV community is a remembrance service. Okay. Uh, and it's going to be at 6 p.m. at uh, Expressions Church, which is on Northwest 39th and Young's. Um, kind of if you go by 
you know, angles in the boom and all okay. those bars yep. at the far west end of that. That's um, just on the west side of Penn? Yes, yeah, west yes. Penn, yeah. Okay. just north of Ingrid's, a few blocks if you yep. want mm. some delicious thumbprint <laughs> cookies. Um, I, I, I but, do. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, uh, expressions, uh, usually there's a remembrance service every year and it's often hosted there. And so they'll do that from six to seven. Anyone's welcome to come. Um, there's some guest speakers. Uh, and then um, after that, at 7 or 7.30, over in Film Row, uh, the AIDS Walk of Oklahoma City, which is a, an event and an organization, they're hosting an event there um, at the Paramount Theater. Tickets are required, and you can get their tickets uh, if you want to go online at AIDS, AIDSWalkOKC.org. Um, AIDS Walk has been around for for quite a long time, actually. Yeah, I, mean, I, I remember that. Most, I mean, most cities, most large cities have an AIDS mm-hmm. walk. Um, and I don't know how long it's been going here. Do you know, Dennis? Um, I think maybe 15 years, okay. possibly, something a, like that. Quite a while. Uh-huh. Everyone, it's kind of all these little groups that do, we all work together. Um, uh, and so, I mean, I said earlier, I kind of the organizer of the coalition, which is more or less true. I run the website and send out the emails to remind everyone to come to our meeting every month. Right. That meeting's been around longer than I have, um, and it's really a chance. We Once a month, we all get together to kind of compare notes about what's going on at all of our different agencies. Oklahoma City's really lucky that all of our agencies get along mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's trying to steal oh, each other's that sucks money. That's imagine, like, inner politics and something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, wow. But, you know, whenever there's money involved. Yeah. Um, I've had friends in other states that had meetings that got pretty... Uh, contemptuous and mm-hmm. people feel like other folks are stealing money or trying to get yeah. for stuff. Um, and that's, I think we all know that the need far outstrips the resources. And so we just want to, if someone else is doing a good job at something, then like let's direct everyone over there and let them do it. Right. Well, it's made our job easier at the Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund. We have Red Tie Night, which is our big annual fundraiser. And that was founded by Jackie and Barbara Cooper 25 years ago. We'll, we'll March, this March 2017 will be our 25th anniversary. And we've given um, back into the community $12.5 million. Wow. And it's been helpful for us um, in going through that grant process every year, evaluating all of the programs and meeting with all of the organizations that receive grant funding and and doing follow-ups and going on site visits to see that collaboration in the community. It really means a lot and know that we can tell our donors how far that dollar really is stretched and that we're not duplicating services. Everyone's Mm -hmm. working together and it really goes back to helping those clients. So it means a lot that we can be in a community that everybody gets along really well and collaborates. And do you guys uh, work with other options as well? Yes. Okay. In fact, Cher and I were there um, peeling sweet potatoes last oh, on Thanksgiving? Monday. On Monday, or yeah. Monday. Peeled 850 pounds of sweet potatoes. My hand was definitely cramped the next day. <laughs> That's funny because yeah. when we had uh, Mary in here, that was one of the yeah. questions that I asked. I go, so who peels the potatoes? Yeah. So mm-hmm. apparently you were. You yeah. guys wanna- well, <laughs> when I got there, um, Robert Painter was unloading like just the regular uh-huh. Idaho potatoes from the truck. And so I helped him unload all those. And I'm, and it was uh, 102 bags. It's a lot of potatoes. A thousand pounds. <laughs> and I made a big pile and I was like, oh man. And he said, we don't have to pale these. Oh, okay, good. Um, but then I had to go home and pick up the sweet potatoes and they were as big as coconuts. And we had to, <laughs> wow. had to, had to basically peel and cut up all those. So. Um, but it was, uh, when I left Monday night, um, chef Lee Bennett was in there and we had 
cooked several batches of the potatoes and um, things were humming along and we were ahead of schedule. So. And you were doing this in, at Sunnyside? Um, no, our part was down at um, Urban Agrarian El- and yeah. Earth Elements oh, in okay. their kitchen. Um, all the potatoes and gravy was going to be down there. And then everything else would be cooked. So the food was so it was cooked at multiple locations, then. Yeah, I think you just did the potatoes because okay. so many of them down there, and then everything else they prepped at Sunnyside. Yeah. Well, obviously, because there was one guy that she had mentioned that was making all of these homemade desserts that right he yeah. was doing uh, right in his stuff. own kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When I had uh, friends that came on Monday night to help with potatoes, and they showed up and said, "Oh, they already be- have all been finished." And I thought, "Ha." That's my contribution as I ruined your volunteer opportunity. Uh, but, um, but I mean, other options has been around. I mean, you guys all know this for a long time and Mary does great work. Um, and so, I mean, it's great that I know I could text Mary right now if I needed anything, if I needed sure. a sofa, she'd help me find it. I'm sure on a rainy Sunday night. Um, and same thing with Cher and Dennis has been working in the field for a long time and, um, uh, everyone kind of knows everybody and we can, really come together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for me, this really, this clicked last year around world AIDS day. Um, I was, I was invited to speak at the service last year. And as I was preparing for that, uh, it occurred to me how really how close Oklahoma is to seeing the end of the epidemic. Like we don't have a cure. We don't have a vaccine. But we've got some really good medications yeah. and we have, We've got the knowledge if we just spread it right. And and we have, Oklahoma has about 300 new infections a year. So it's roughly someone almost every day gets infected in Oklahoma. They don't all know it. They don't sure. all get tested. Um, and so we, uh, but it's, that feels like a manageable number. We're like, if it's, we just get to the right places and get to the right people, yeah. then we might, you know, it might take a long time. But if we could get that down mm. by half, like I would love to write on one of my federal grants, like, only 150 new people this year or only a hundred or only four. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is mind blowing. Um, I mean, you're effectively talking about stopping one person a day from, I mean, right. And I'm assuming that a lot of that is just an education piece of one, get tested, beat, encourage others around you to get tested, especially if you're going to engage in some activity that perhaps would transmit this, mm-hmm. then, you know, spread that as a spread the education to get those, get that, Curb it before it becomes a problem, I guess. Right. I'm I, I'm keep talking, but I'd be missed if I didn't mention there's only th- really three ways to HIV is transmitted mm. sex, drugs, and rock and roll. No, not rock and roll. Rock but uh, <laughs> you guys were all waiting for it sex, drugs, and then mother to child during birth, which right. is exceedingly mm. rare. And there's no reason any child should be born with HIV in America for sure. Um, but really, just sexual transmission and then like sharing of needles or right. drug products. Um, so it's very specific ways and there's really simple ways to yes, prevent those things. Mm-hmm. So. Do we have, I mean, just to speak into one of those, do we have needle exchange programs here? We don't. No, yeah. not in Oklahoma. No. Um, there's some, uh, limits on what funding can be spent on what services. And there's historically been a ban on using federal dollars for ex- needle exchange programs. Also, that's one of those things like in a state like Oklahoma, where, the idea of giving drug users needles just feels icky on the surface, right, even right. though it is super effective and there's tons of data that says it's right. really helpful. Um, and I'm asking that cause I, I heard or read an article or something recently about this was like, it feels like the wrong thing to do because the idea of giving drug users needles, but statistically speaking, it's 
really effective. Yeah. Right. It's just like, like giving teenagers condoms doesn't make them have more sex. Right. Right. It actually. It sounds counterintuitive. Yeah. Right. But it works. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, feel, I mean, do you think that that's a stigma based thing? Like, like you say, you just have that idea that, oh, we're going to give them prejudice. Now everybody's going to be using drugs all the time, doing all those things. Like, we just need to get over that idea mm-hmm. that. I don't know. We're not enabling people. We're, we're, we're enabling them to take better care of themselves if they're going to do that activity. Yeah. I mean, I think we've got to start believing the data more than our hearts on some of that stuff, mm-hmm. um, our guts on some things. But The most effective uh, prevention method is treatment. And we have to keep that in mind that uh, getting people into treatment mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the sure way to prevent the spread of the disease because we've been at this now for, what, 30, 35 yeah. years mm-hmm. and Changing behavior is much harder than getting people into treatment, getting them undetectable so they don't spread the disease. Because if they get their viral load down to undetectable levels, they're much less likely to spread HIV. So a lot of that is going to hinge upon education then. Yes. And having education programs. Right. Are there, are there, I can remember in elementary school, uh, kind of at the height of the AIDS epidemic, um, on more than one occasion going to, you know, classes that were specifically held to teach us about AIDS. Are there still classes like that that are done? Mm, not really. It's kind of fallen <laughs> off some. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I remember required. it was a big deal when I was a kid. Yeah, because yeah, that was school. the 80s. It was... Right. It was a big... It was a death sentence. It was in the news. Yeah, right. People had to talk about it. Um, yeah, now it's not the same. It's not the same and it's not... Um, it's not specifically required. Um, there is a, a health mandate through the, the state education uh, department, um, but the language still says AIDS, doesn't say HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty antiquated. Um, and it it's there's certain uh, grade levels that you kind of can touch over it, but it's each school district gets to um, interpret that in their own way and, and have those conversations. So it's not across the board. This is the conversation and the messaging that we're having. And it's alarming to me um, when I look at the statistics of the new infections being ages 13 to 29, um, there's something happening in um, that messaging to young people. The age population 13 to 29 is the fastest new infections. Mm-hmm. For new? Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. And so that's, that's something that's not happening. Um, there's a conversation I think in some of that without awareness. So um, it's also important then on World AIDS Day to um, continue that awareness. Yeah. Um, because I think it's not reaching young people in the way that it did with our generation mm-hmm. because we did have that and it was so scary um, and it was that death sentence. And um, it's just you kind of and young people have this invincibility. I mean, you, you yeah. feel, you know, that you can, if you get this, you'll be fine. You can take a pill. It'll be okay. Um, but you don't realize how expensive that is either. Right. And that's a lifetime of treatment. And, um, you know, the side effects aren't always, you know, yes. it takes a toll right. on your body over time. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been HIV positive for 30 years mm-hmm. and I've had to switch medications twice now because yeah. of uh, complications, renal insufficiency, kidneys, and uh, so it takes not, a toll. Yeah, it's just I not mean, a matter of like surviving it. I mean, there's yeah. there's all th- these other caveats to that. Right. You're more likely to get cancer if you're HIV mm-hmm. positive. You're more likely to have heart disease and diabetes and high blood pressure. Yeah. So your organs are more damaged by the medication than if you didn't have to take the medication. Which I guess at that point in time might 
preclude you from additional treatments if you do get cancer or something Sometimes else. Sometimes they do. They yeah. won't give you a transplant. Exactly. Some, some things like that. Certain treatments, they only reserve for people who are very healthy. So, yeah, that's a really good point then. Just so, because it seems like a, a disease that might effectively be treated and managed now is no reason to not still be vigilant against So if you it. have HIV and you contract something like lung cancer, there's a less likelihood that they will give you the full typical treatment because you have HIV? I think it has a lot to do with behavioral yeah. um if you're a good candidate in ways that you live your life, if you eat right, you don't smoke, you don't drink to excess, you don't use drugs, okay, all those things, which a lot of our clients have a tendency to become depressed and despair and turn to drugs, turn to alcohol. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing we have like a one-stop shop at OU where they can get counseling, they can be referred to a psychiatrist for medication. Right. Dennis, uh, one of the things Dennis does for our program is he at least attempts to contact every new patient that gets referred to us. So um, before they ever come in, they get a phone call from him just to kind of check in and find out like, hey, you know, what's going on? How are you? Do you know where you're going? Do you have a ride? Do you want someone to meet you here? Well, I was going to ask you how people get in touch with you, but you're already getting in touch with. So you're very proactive. Well, I I go from. Uh, the people that have already been diagnosed, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't do a lot of outreach to people I don't know that are positive okay. already. But, um, yeah, I work off of our, our database, and I, like Andy said, mm-hmm. I call them uh, two weeks before their first appointment nice. and uh, discuss, you know, if they have support, you know, if they have anybody they can talk to, uh, do they need any questions answered, mm-hmm. any concerns. Or that That's fantastic. Yeah, and then I call them afterwards. I try to make sure they're engaged in care. Mm-hmm. They feel engaged. They feel like we care and that we're there for them and they can call us and talk to us if they need to. Kind of help answer probably a lot of the questions they have, like, you know, what's going to happen to me now and right. where do I go from here? Even though it's not a death sentence, it's still a life-changing event that a lot of people are terrified mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Well, I, I like the idea of doing the uh, selfie with the ribbon um, and then, yeah, Snapchatting it, Instagramming it, because that's probably going to be a pretty easy way to get it in front of the eyes of that of that age group of people, the right. thirteen to twenty nine. Well, and you know, one of the ways that I met Cher several years ago was through social media, probably through Twitter. Um, and and I mean, I've known the three of you guys for mm-hmm. uh, you know a couple of years, um, largely through social media as yeah, well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're like me, that's I feel like that's why I know most of my friends these days mm-hmm. is that I met them online first, um, and we all knew the same people. And I was like, well, and it's funny to me that um, a lot of my friends who I know pretty well don't know what I do for a living like they might know me for other stuff, but, uh, or just from Twitter, which is slightly sad. Aren't you but, let's fix this guy? Yeah, well, there's that, that too. Is that you? <laughs> That's lately. That's strangers know me for that. Um, but then, um, uh, but a lot of folks don't know. And when I tell them like, oh, and almost always the first question is like, do we have AIDS in Oklahoma? It's like, yes. Yep. Uh, and so I kind of thought like, you know, we probably should maybe use this um, huge free platform to like right. spread some real news since there's been a lot of fake news spread recently. <laughs> yes. Um, but to try to say like, hey, here's the actual stats and here's what's going on in your community, in your state. Uh, and this is still a thing and people need to know about it. And here's what you can do. You can at the at the, at the very least, you can do nothing, which is what people have been doing. And that's not working. So let's do more than that. Let's. Right. 
at least put on a ribbon and take a photo. Let's like learn how it's transmitted and how it's not. Like you can't get it from hugging or kissing or toilet seats or fruits and vegetables or whatever. Um, and then maybe like consider volunteering like other options or, mm-hmm. um, you know, donating to AIDS care fund or finding some other way to get involved to say like, Hey, I want to take a stand because the thing that kind of boggles my mind is that almost everybody I know knows someone that has had HIV or AIDS. Like a lot of people have had like an uncle that died that no one ever talks about in the family or they, you know, someone who was like the family, it's like a, a, a well-known secret like in their family or there's like, I have uh, one of the, my staff that I work with. I just noticed last year, she's been there as long as I have, that she has a red ribbon tattoo on the inside of her wrist. Oh. Um, and I've said, how long have you had that? And she's like, oh, you know, like 10 years. And I found out it was like her cousin or brother or someone um, from way back. And that's why she was interested in working in our clinic. And I thought, Who would have ever known? Like I didn't, I've been mm-hmm. here. I never noticed it. So, um, so there's lots of that. And so I think realizing that there's an untapped connection that a lot of us have to that community um, is, uh, is a big deal. So yeah. we kind of create our own stigma, uh, you know, by, right. I think with that of not um, even speaking up and saying that we have a friend or a family member um, in that. And then I think um, for us and raising the, the dollars that we raise and giving it back you know, we throw a great party for red tie, um, but we haven't always mentioned where the dollars go. And we know that people right. come because they want to come to a great party, um, right. but they're not necessarily all tied to the cause and we want them to be. Um, so we're, we're trying to bridge that gap as an organization. And, and I think collectively all of the groups together, we kind of in the discussion of what should we do on World AIDS Day? Well, you know, this is part of us breaking that stigma ourselves and really, you know, being um, out there as to what we do for a living and who we support and the clients that we get to interact with and, and support and just being a stronger voice for them. Yeah. Right. I think we get focused on doing what we do and re- and that becomes a silo. And mm-hmm. so trying to step out and say, Hey, this is a big thing. I think that occurred to me after talking to Christy at, at urban tea where I, I like walked back in and I said, this is really a big deal because there's no other business in town that's saying, Hey, we support people with HIV, mm-hmm. which is weird that like that's, it was a thing that it's still a thing. And, yeah. um, but to say, I recognize you might catch some flack for this. And she said, bring it on. Like that's, yeah. I don't know why, if people want to be mad at me for that, fine. Um, and I, in fact, I tweeted this about you guys too. I mean, this is the second show you guys have had in a row, I guess, yeah. Um, yeah. that yeah. has centered on, on this disease. Um, and there's I mean, no other media right now that's talking about it. And you guys have done it twice in a month. And so, and it seems uh, like it needs a jump start. So, right. Yes. And so I personally, I appreciate that mm-hmm. um, for saying, no, oh, you know, we'll take a chance on these people. So, oh, I mean, so. I, I, I think I speak for them as well. And I say I didn't, that wasn't even a, it's more of like, oh, <laughs> do we have time? Can we get the episode out <laughs> yeah. before world AIDS day? We <laughs> right. can. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Come on. Like, it's not a. Never, it's, and that's weird. I guess I was sitting here thinking as you're saying this, like I can't personally recall right now if I know anybody or have known anyone with HIV. I, it probably is. Maybe I don't know that. Right, you very well might. Yeah, yeah. Um, not everyone. But I would. I, yeah, it it nice. doesn't even occur to me that there would be backlash or stick. Like it, <laughs> man. It's it's just an, one of those enlightening things of like, wow, how isolated I seem to be from this that I'm mm-hmm. not even considering that there would be like. 
no, of course I wouldn't talk to it. In fact, it's not why, but hey, I'm wearing red tennis shoes. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I like, and it's funny, like I've looked at product red stuff before and I've always just liked that shade of red. Like, right. <laughs> and I like the idea of knowing that if I was buying, I was like, oh, it's something, some dollar somewhere. I don't know exactly where, but right. it's going somewhere to, to, to contribute to that cause. So right. they, um, yeah, I mean, in Oklahoma, so since the beginning of the epidemic in 1981, we've had uh, a little over 10,000 people, 10,000 Oklahomans that have had HIV, and almost half of them have died. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them died earlier on, but still, that's a, even when I, that connected with, for me, I was like, oh, that's a lot of folks. So right now, today, we've got about 6,000 people that are living with it, which doesn't sound like much, but Oklahoma's a small, it's a big, small town, like as right. a state. Everyone kind of knows somebody, and uh, and the six thousand folks that we serve, some of them don't. It's a, it's somewhat an estimate. They don't all know they're positive yet, um, and so we really want people to get tested, and we want them to get into care and to stay in care and to take their medication, like Dennis said, so they can be undetectable. Uh, and these folks often face multiple challenges, like multiple stressors. So they might have. Uh, co-occurring mental health issues. They've got maybe substance abuse. Maybe, maybe we have higher rates of homelessness. And so you've, you've kind of got folks that are, um, you know, relying on the system in maybe several ways. And it really takes a, like, takes a village. And since we're a small town, that's roughly a synonym for village, right? Like, so we um, try to come together to help them out so that, you know, we have folks from the Homeless Alliance that come to our meetings. So we have a housing program for folks with AIDS that's based at the Homeless Alliance. We've got um, substance abuse facility, mental health services. It really takes all of us coordinating to say, hey, let's get together to help these people because we're going to have to know what each other are doing to make sure that we just kind of wrap around them yeah. and help them out. Yes. And don't forget insurance navigators. They've really helped in the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. With the Affordable Care Act, we've been able to uh, make our funds spread a lot farther and do a lot more good. I like that term, insurance navigators, because it yeah, it definitely seems like something that that requires a navigator. It does you know? needs Galileo or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, well, get us some uh, some contact information here. How can people get involved and, and find out about all this on uh, on the interwebs? Well, um, we have a website which is okayaidscarefund.com, um, and there's an events page on there, and it has all the information about the art show, um, Christie's um, Jennings and Urban Tea House, and when they can um, participate in that, and then also with taking the selfies and uh, posting on the hashtag World AIDS Day OKC. That's good. Um, uh, OKCAIDSCoalition.org. You can, there's links to all the agencies that are kind of part of our coalition, including the AIDS Care Fund. Um, and on Twitter, we're OKC, we're OKC AIDS. Um, and in Facebook, it's OKC AIDS Coalition. And our phone number at the clinic is 405-271-6434. And they can call 211 if they want to find out a testing location near them. Excellent. Or any other resources. They have a whole list of resources they can help people with. Two one one. Two one one. I have recently seen that in on like bus stop signs. Yes. Advertising that two and one. A lot of people come. Yeah, to I didn't even know it was a thing. Via that route. They see that on a bus stop. Mm-hmm. Is that a like a one of the confidential hotline it type is. things? Uh-huh. Like you can call and get info and testing. It's actually a like a statewide a hotline for lots of resources. HIV happens to be one of them. 
Um, and so they've been around for a number of years, but it's, uh, you know, we all know 911 for emergencies and then 211 for just other needs. And so sometimes, I mean, even our staff will, if we've kind of exhausted our list of resources, they'll mm-hmm. call to see if they happen, if those folks happen to know of anything else that we don't know of that we've missed. So oh, well. It's pretty handy. So, yeah, that's an awesome resource. It is. And they also manage the um, National Suicide Prevention Hotline for calls in Oklahoma and also the Veterans um, Hotline as well. So it's nice that you're talking to someone here locally if you're calling from a local number, um, but they can get you help. And, you know, if you're you're newly diagnosed and you haven't had a chance to talk to Dennis or someone like him to get some help, you can definitely call uh, 211 and they'll be able to talk you through and, and really put your mind at ease and and know that they're going to get you all the help that you need. Well, this is awesome. Hmm. Well, so even in spite of 2016 being a yucky year, it's good to know that there's <laughs> actually there is awesome <laughs> stuff that is happening. There's so don't have despair. No, there actually is good stuff. We're still here. <laughs> We're, yeah, that's all. That's all right there. Well, this is awesome. Thank you guys so much for for being here today. And Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's definitely a pleasure to help uh, spread the word. Thank you. We really definitely. appreciate it. So Thursday, December first, World yes. AIDS Day. Get involved. We'll see you there. All right. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's, Kurt's awesome. awesome! That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show. Facebook.com slash Wafty Show. We'll see you next week. Woo! I'll be